welcome back to another episode of the Touch Points podcast put on by East Point Bible Church. Today we'll be continuing the series, Right Answers for Wrong Ideas. And in this episode, we will focus on the second key area of having grounded biblical gospel conversations with Catholics. And that area is the nature of salvation. This involves answering the questions of like how a person is saved, what it means to be saved, and what Christ did to redeem and reconcile his people from their sin. And in my experience uh, with talking to Catholics about salvation, uh, many of their answers and thoughts initially given seem to suggest mutual agreement uh, with Christians on the basics of salvation. Uh, Generic phrases that we all hear, that we all kind of experience or have heard in Christendom, uh, things they reference, basic tenets of the faith, they state them in general ways in the conversations I've had. And it gives the impression uh, that we have a similar view of salvation, and that's on a surface level. But however, if you intentionally ask questions about the definitions and the specifics of salvation, and if you do biblically-based challenges, uh, it quickly reveals two possible things, which, which both can be true, is that there could be a fundamental disagreement uh, with the definitions of salvation according to Scripture, or there could be a lack of any concrete understanding about what the Bible actually teaches about salvation. Uh, because a Catholic might have an, a shallow knowledge based on experience with the Catholic Church and or from what they have picked up on from other sources around them. And so to have a good gospel conversation with a Catholic, you really have to be intentional. Uh, you can't skirt the edges. You can't rely on things necessarily at face value. Uh, questions are important. Intentionality is critical. And so what are the areas of salvation that we, could, that we should focus on in our gospel conversations with Catholics? Uh, For the sake of time, we're going to be looking at the two main areas of disagreement between biblical doctrine and Catholic tradition, and those are the nature and prominence of grace and salvation and the significance of justification as the foundation for salvation. And so let's take a look at the first one, the nature and prominence of grace and salvation. When talking with Catholics about salvation, uh, we need to be sure to bring up grace and make it a dominant theme in our conversations. A good direction, I think, to go is to quote or read Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, which says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, so that we would walk in them. And from this verse, I want to lead the conversation by looking at what the role of grace is in salvation and understanding what Paul has to say about our works in these verses as they relate to salvation. So you can either ask questions, uh, give rhetorical questions, or you can lead them by just making statements about the truth of the verse. But I do recommend at least asking some questions about the verse to help lead and direct the conversation. So here in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, Uh, we see two key points we must prioritize in our conversations about salvation with Catholics. First, we see that God's grace provides both the means and the motivation for salvation. Grace refers to the unmerited or undeserved favor. And in the biblical context, uh, that's the way grace should be viewed when we read God's word. And so God offers salvation as a gift by his grace and provides both the gift of salvation and the means to receive it, which is faith, through his grace or his unmerited, undeserved favor. And so why do we need grace 
to be saved? Well, we look at Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, so we back up a little bit in the text. We see that humanity is dead in sin before God, incapable of changing their condition, and enslaved to the influences and powers of sin around them. And so God provides the undeserving sinner with the gift of salvation in Christ through faith, and all of this flows from his grace. And so it is wise in your conversations about grace to reference passages uh, that explain and describe the condition of man. Because understanding the true condition of man, according to God's word, strongly displays the necessity of grace to be shown towards us in order to be saved. Passages like Romans 3, 9 through 12, and verse 23, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, which we've already referenced, uh, Jeremiah 17, 9, and 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 31 are all great places to go. And so discussing the nature and condition of man after describing God's grace provides an excellent transition to the second point. And the second point is that works have no effect on receiving or keeping salvation, but provide evidence for its reality. Notice Paul says, receiving the gift of God, which is salvation, is not of works so that no man may boast. Human merit, human works, or human achievement cannot have any impact on salvation. Otherwise, man would have reason to boast about himself in salvation. Salvation only exalts God. It does not exalt the merit of man. God's effectual grace providing salvation to the lost on the basis of faith praises his grace. Not only is man's merit incompatible with the goal of God's grace, but man's merit is incompatible with the very nature of his grace. Romans eleven six 6 describes that, but if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. Human merit having any impact on receiving or retaining salvation diametrically contradicts the nature of grace as a free, unmerited, unsolicited favor shown by God according to his perfect sovereign will. And so the grace of God and salvation leaves no room for man's merit of any form or type to place a stake of ownership in salvation. Now, there is a place for good works in relation to salvation. And we see that in verse 10 of Ephesians 2, that good works are the fruit or the validation that our salvation is real, that we are walking in the works that God has prepared before us, predestined for us. And so good works don't earn or upkeep or sustain salvation, but they're the fruit of it. They're the product of salvation happening in our lives according to the grace and the mercy and the love of God poured out over us. And so we as Christians need to be rooted in Scripture when discussing grace with Catholics in our gospel conversations. Catholics will claim to believe and agree and understand grace like we do. Uh, But when the nature of grace opposes Catholic tradition, we have to be ready to answer. We have to be ready to distinguish between biblical grace and Catholic tradition. And so we need to know where God's grace is in the Bible. And from those passages, we need to know how to define it and how to defend it. And so let's take a look at the second focus of salvation during our gospel conversations uh, with Catholics. And that is that, that justification is needed for salvation before God. 
So for this point, we look to Romans chapter 3 and chapter 4 and chapter 5, in which Paul establishes this phenomenal case about the necessity of God's righteousness and the impossibility of salvation built on human righteousness. And so in Romans 3, Paul establishes that no person, the religious Jew or the pagan Greek, stands righteous before God. Quoting the Old Testament, Paul writes that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands, there is none who seeks for God. They have all turned aside, they have together become useless. There is none who does good, no, not even one. So all people stand without sufficient righteousness before God for him to consider them righteous enough to live with him forever in heaven and to meet the standard for salvation. Paul elaborates more on this point in Romans 3, 19 through 20. But the point is that man cannot attain or achieve a righteous standing before God, even according to the laws he has given due to our sinful nature in position. And so where does the righteousness needed for salvation come from? Well, God has provided his son to be the basis for justification in both necessary elements, the removal of our guilt, which is caused and brought upon us by our sin, and the addition of righteousness on the individual's account. Paul explains this in Romans 3, 21 through 24. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested or shown, being witnessed or testified by the law, and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all of those who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, being justified as a free gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. So to further his point, Paul looks back at the first example of righteousness accredited to an individual by faith in chapter 4, and that's Abraham. And so we see in Romans 4 where Paul writes, For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as favor, but what is due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. So here we see that God saves the sinful man through his own ability to make righteous that which is not righteous. And this is received by faith. God accredits righteousness to those who have faith in him for justification. Specifically, God imputes righteousness from his son, Jesus, to the account of the sinner, as we see in Romans 5, verse 17 and 19, which says, For if by the transgression of one, that's Adam, Death reigned through the one, referring to the universal consequences of sin. How much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many will be made sinners. Even so, through the obedience of the one, many will be made righteous. To be saved is to be made positionally righteous by Christ so that God will view us as righteous, just like his son. And so justification declares us innocent and it makes us righteous, all according to the death of Christ, which is the propitiation for our sin, and the life of Christ, which is the basis for our righteousness, which is accredited towards us. 
And so the gift of righteousness is given when a person believes in trust and exercises faith in the person of Christ. And so it is this salvation, the salvation that comes through the merit of Christ alone, secured at the moment of salvation and received through faith that Christians should defend. Christ has provided all sufficient merit that needs no improvement, addition, or preserving by us. It is this salvation that needs highlighted in our gospel conversations. Catholics need to hear this as their salvation does not stand exclusively on Christ and the work that he has done in his meritorious righteousness accredited on our behalf. But their salvation stands additionally on their own merit to keep and secure their salvation. Salvation is partially dependent on them. And because of that, they have the wrong gospel. I hope you've been equipped with the truth during this episode so that you can boldly go out and witness just as we are called. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Touchpoints podcast. Hope to see you at our next episode in this series, Right Answers for Wrong Ideas, where we will look at how to witness to Jehovah's Witnesses according to God's word. 